Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 272 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. It's been something of a frustrating week. We did manage to get bees moved, but ran into truck mechanical issues that are going to need fixing. Not a job I can attend to, so while the truck is being repaired, my thoughts turn to colony preparations for the coming autumn and winter. Beekeeping Short and Sweet, a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. Hi everyone, welcome to the podcast, my weekly update of our personal beekeeping journey with a few tips and techniques thrown in for good measure. This week, it's a little bit of both, I hope, an update on our week's work and some suggestions to help get ahead with preparations for the coming autumn and winter months. I have to say it's been a challenging year and last week was not any easier in terms of yet more challenges being thrown at us. The week started well enough as I had planned to gather up the remaining colonies from our borage and pumpkin sites and return them to our fishing lakes apiaries to settle down for the months to come. These apiaries are what we would term our home apiaries really, no great distance from my home address and a safe secure location to site the bees although we have had some small issues with green woodpeckers over the winter in the past. I've mentioned the TechnoSet Clips feature before. It's a real help when moving colonies to be able to simply close the entrance and not have to strap them up before moving. These metal fasteners connect the floor to the brood box and where there isn't a super and queen excluder, simply clips to the feeder and roof combo, thus holding everything together securely enough to be able to be lifted without worrying that the various components might slip apart, allowing bees to flood out. Most of the hives had supers on, as it turned out. These were placed on the hives when we cleared supers to remove our summer honey crop and had been left in place to allow the storage of any late nectar flow crop that might come in. I'm in the process of adding clips to all of our supers. This then allows us to connect the second-hand wooden supers that I bought to the roof and brood box in exactly the same way as the main hive components connect. It is a little more fiddly as invariably the clips are not always in the exact same spot so they have to be adjusted a little, something of a faff but no real problem. It just takes a few more seconds to lock them in position. I'm glad to report that the day was dry. The ground had taken a real soaking throughout the previous week, but now, finally, the sun had dried out the soil and we could more easily get the truck and trailer across the heavy clay soil fields without worrying about getting stuck. Have you noticed how the nights are drawing in these days? The light seems to drop away quite quickly now and we found ourselves ahead of the planned schedule of heading home around 9.30 to 10pm. It was all going so well. well. You won't be surprised here that it all unravelled fairly quickly for us. Such has our season been so far. 
before you jump ahead in my story and get to the wrong conclusion, we managed to get everything loaded, strapped down and off the field without incident. Once back on the main road and beginning the trip back home, we found that it wasn't going to be an easy journey. The immediate challenge was a major road closure and a diversion. The main roads heading back up from Essex to Norfolk are the M11 motorway and the A11 main arterial road. Now fully dual carriageway for Norfolk, that's something of a major plus. Anyway, our first challenge was the diversion off the M11 motorway. Actually, we hadn't even managed to get onto the motorway. Still, Google Maps and various bright yellow diversion signs would have us back home in no time. I was certain. Google Maps wanted to turn us straight around and send us back to the road closure, so not much help there. Which brings me on to the Highways Department diversion signs. These started off well enough. Bright yellow signs with black writing showing the M11 diversion, easy enough for me to follow. But then it all went a little awry. At one particular roundabout, there were four exits, Each exit had a diversion sign indicating we should turn off, but none of the signs had any M11 information. So with the map reading skills of a rally driver co-pilot, Steph and I deduced that we didn't want to go into the town centre, certainly not with a truck and trailer fully loaded with beehives. We didn't want to go back the way we had just came, so that left us with two out of the four exits to choose from. It really was a case of flipping a coin. I had no idea where we were. Steph had no idea where we were, and it was very dark. Well, we happened to choose correctly, as luck would have it. A few more miles down the road, and the signs for the M11 diversion reappeared. Unfortunately, it was about this time that the dashboard warning lights started to flash on. I promise I will get to some beekeeping chat in a minute or two, but I just wanted to explain some of the trials that migratory beekeepers have when we're out moving bees around to help pollinate crops and attempting to get a crop of honey off for all of our efforts. The truck dropped into self-protection mode and limped along to the next lay-by. I did the old how to fix most things trick by turning the engine off and then on again and that seemed to work at least for around 20 miles and then it all happened again. By this time we'd arrived back on the M11 only to be diverted yet again by another road closure. Time for a nighttime drive through the horse racing town of Newmarket. Back once again this time onto the A11 the home stretch of the journey and another stop to get the truck out of self-protection limp mode. Finally, back to normal speeds and yet another diversion, this time through a town called Attleborough. Now, I don't mind visiting all these places, but there's not much to see late at night, and this particular diversion had us on back roads all the way back home to Norwich. Finally, we made it to the fishing lakes, having added something like 60 to 90 minutes to our journey. In the end, we probably got on site about 30 minutes after I had anticipated we would be there. So it wasn't a real problem, apart from these blooming warning lights on the dashboard. To cut a long story short, and to finally get to some beekeeping for you, it turns out we need a new turbo. 
huge expense and more importantly it's prevented us from getting up to the bees that we have on the heather moors so we won't actually have visited them since we dropped them off and because of waiting for spare parts and a garage slot to get the truck repaired we can't go for another fortnight. I think we'll be heading up to remove supers and bring back hives. Somewhat disappointing really but I don't want to risk further damage to the truck, so I think that common sense has to rule the day. The Heather Honey Project has very much been for the experience rather than the crop of honey, which, if we get any, will be a bonus, but I would like to have visited and seen Heather in full flower and the bees out foraging, at least for one trip. Perhaps next year. At least I'll have a wealth of experience to call upon in terms of the logistics of getting there and back, if not the actual beekeeping. So anyway, back to the beekeeping. We now have 34 colonies in our first Fishing Lakes apiary, with another 17 in our second apiary on the same site. This is not a normal colony level for the active season, you understand. This is purely for convenience for overwintering. We can feed and treat as necessary a large number of colonies all in one place, making it super productive with my time. These colonies will be able to sit out the winter months and stay here all the way through to spring, when the willow will flower once more and the colonies will have a glut of spring pollen to take advantage of. At that point, we'll start moving them out as the new season gets underway. So much to do before then though. Right now is a great time to assess colonies and where needed, combine, requeen and for some an opportunity to make up nukes and introduce new queens. This, for those of you who have listened for a while will know, is not something I'm going to do. Making up autumn nukes that is. Checks and uniting colonies is something that I'll do and we have started and we have several that are prime candidates. The swarms that we moved across all need attention in the coming week and decisions regarding their futures will need to be decided and action taken. I honestly think we'll end up uniting a couple of them together as pretty much everything else appears to be queen right. If you're relatively new to beekeeping then now is a good time to stop inspecting and allow your bees to get themselves ready to sit out the winter. You will find a lot of propolis going into the hives right now. Many colonies will be sealing any gaps they have, securing everything, and making sure that they have the very best opportunity of survival. Opening hives unnecessarily can simply throw up more problems for you. I would say last checks in early September, and that's in the next week or so, and then let bees do their own thing. And those checks need to be for a reason. Don't just go in and inspect for inspection's sake. Certainly, that's the position that we're taking. Many colonies simply won't need inspecting. For me, it's a blessing. It gives me more time to concentrate on the colonies that do need my help. Another important job to start now is hefting hives. This is simply lifting the back of the hive and feeling how heavy or light it is. The more you do it, the better your judgment will become. If you only have one or two hives, but you have an association apiary, get down there on open days and heft them all. Get a feeling for what a heavy or light hive weight feels like 
and compare it to your own colonies. Feeding can start in September if you've not had to give any emergency feed. There's no mad rush yet. We still have plenty of time for feeding. If you're treating colonies for Varroa, then this is something that should be underway already, simply because of the time frame of the treatment periods, some as long as eight weeks. While you're out and about in your apiary, have a wander around, looking for anything that can be removed and either disposed of or cleaned up and reused. I've recently had a couple of hours wandering around apiaries at the fishing lakes and other locations, picking up old frames, hive stands, a couple of queen cages and various other bits and pieces, leftovers from busier days when it always seems so frantic and sometimes things get missed. It's another one of those must-do-better situations. It's really important at this time of the year, when there are wasps and hornets around, along with honeybees from other apiaries, that could be attracted to your apiary because of some old frame or brace comb cut out and forgotten. It just encourages robbing, and any colonies that are slightly weakened for whatever reason will become a target. If you're looking to increase colony numbers or give yourself a little bit of security with some overwintered nukes in case of any losses between now and spring, it's starting to get a little late, so you'll need to get that sorted as soon as possible. If you are making any splits, they'll need mated queens and not queen cells now. I've always found from this point onwards, mating becomes more and more tricky and inevitably leads to drone-laying queens around midwinter. Mated queens can get straight on with laying up plenty of brood for the winter period without any delay, but it is getting late. The key right now is to make sure all of your colonies are strong enough and keep the entrance small. You really don't want to lose any to predation from wasps and hornets, as we did last year. My personal choice in terms of splits is spring splits, late spring splits. We have more control over the outcome, in my mind. Colonies are preparing themselves for swarming, so almost anticipating a reduction in their numbers. Queens can be produced at home using swarm cells, so this keeps the costs down. And of course, wasps and hornets are too busy trying to develop their own nests to be thinking about attacking smaller nucleus colonies or smaller splits. So we can actually go with two frame splits instead of five or six frame autumn nukes. Finally today, I thought I'd tell you of an amusing incident that happened to me on Friday. It made me smile and hopefully it might make you smile too. I was attending my regular blood donor session here in Norwich. Bear with me, there is a beekeeping element. I only do it for the free drinks and chocolate bars, of course, but it's a regular appointment I try to keep even through the busy beekeeping season. When you attend, you have to fill out a questionnaire about all manner of personal things. Those of you who also give blood will know the ones I'm talking about. Anyway, you're invited into a little screened-off area to sign away a pint of blood and, prior to that, have a small sample taken to check that you have adequate iron levels. It's a bit like a very minor bee sting, so if you can put up with that, you can give some blood. Anyway, I'm answering the usual questions about if I've been at work today and what I've been getting up to. And for some reason, I guess they don't get many commercial beekeepers giving blood, because the questions 
always changes from the state of my health to what's it like keeping bees. Anyway, at the risk of sounding like Ronnie Corbett, for those of you who remember his little stories, on this occasion, for some reason, I didn't say I was a commercial beekeeper. I said I was a bee farmer. Same thing, really. Here, I have to own up to having pretty dodgy hearing. If you ask me a question and I look at you a little blank and answer yes, it's probably because I haven't quite heard what you've said. Anyway, the nurse said something that sounded like, had I hurt my forerib or something? Well, that's what it sounded like. I kind of chuckled, a little bemused, and said no. She then stabbed my finger to get a sample of blood, and I said it didn't hurt anything like a bee sting, to which she replied, oh, I thought you said you were a beef farmer, a cattle farmer. That's why I asked about a forerib. I love a good Sunday roast. Do you know, I really need to get my hearing checked out and describe myself as a commercial beekeeper in future. At least we had a little giggle about it. And now she wants me to take a sample of honey for her and her team, of course. Well, we'll see about that another time. That's it for this week. Don't forget to check out my website, www.norfolk-honey.co.uk. And for my latest videos and podcasts with more updates, tips and techniques, it's the same Patreon page, www.patreon.com forward slash Norfolk Honey. And remember, I'm Stuart Spinks, and that was beekeeping short and sweet. Yeah.